The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. Hey, I'm Chris. And I'm Cameron. And we love Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and all the DC comic characters. And we think you might too. Or at least just Batman. <laughs> and like us, maybe you also yearn for a time when Superman wasn't so broody and Batman wasn't a mass murderer. So join us as we revisit Bruce Timm's classic DC animated universe that started up with Batman the Animated Series and runs through Superman, Justice League, and so much more. We talk about comic origins, inspirations of the films, character psychology, and why this is the definitive DC Comics adaptation. So check out Tim Talk on the Nerdist School Network, subscribe on iTunes, and listen to our latest episode every Tuesday. The Navis and Frank present... A comic book podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Novice and Frank comic book podcast. I'm Amanda. I'm the novice. I'm Frank. I'm the novice. That's right. He knows everything. And we're going to jump right into talking uh, about the Phoenix run in Uncanny X-Men. Yes, the, uh, the Dark Phoenix Dark Saga. Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix Saga. There we go. That's right. And I'll explain in a little while why I have a hard time with the name. Um, and uh, lots of other fun stuff going on. Before we do, Frank, you know what we got to do. Uh, poop? Yeah. Hold All on. Right. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Uh, now that we've pooped yeah. <laughs> in this booth, they're never going to have us back. Uh, we're going to have to do our improvised uh, opening song. I love it. Great. Snick, snick. I got adamantian claws. They call me Logan and they call me Wolverine. Hey, I'm Slim. I've got rays out of my eyes. They call me the Cyclops. I'm a weather goddess. I can summon lightning. And they call me the storm. And there are so many more we'll be discussing today. We are the novice and, and Frank. Frank. <laughs> Yay. It's like little golf clap, little no, golf clap for us. I was like, it's like I'm a slim guy. I'm like, who's yeah, slim? He's a little slim. Yeah. yeah little uh, slim. Welcome everybody to the uh, the novice and Frank. We're recording right here at the Nerdist Podcast School, mm-hmm. or uh, Nerd, <laughs> Nerdist, Nerdist Podcast School, school. <laughs> the Nerdist School in the Nerdist Podcast Network booth. Mm-hmm. That's all correct information. That's all correct That's information all correct. Yeah. and sentences that came out of my mouth. That's right. Uh, right here next to uh, delightful Meltdown Comics on Los Angeles, no, on Sunset Boulevard Sunset in Long Angeles, California. Los Angeles. Ooh, it's a rough day. It's okay. We'll get through it together. Don't worry. If you're having a rough day, thanks for listening. That's We're going right. to talk you down. As we record this, it is uh, just for you. I mean, you, you junkies, you process junkies for the novice and Frankie. It's February 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, It's Image Day here for comic shops, and Meltdown Comics, in salute of that, is having uh, some creators here doing some signings. Yeah. One of those being Brian K. Vaughn. Brian K. Vaughn. Hi. Uh, the one, the, I think the, probably the person that you'd probably leave Mike for to spend the rest of your life with, if it's possible, would be Brian K. Vaughn. Well, I got to meet him. He was very nice. Very, very nice. And I was super excited. So I got here early and uh, I was kind of, there's a line around the block. Really? So by the yeah. time you, what time did you get here? I got here around 6.30. And they started at 6, right? They started at 6. There was a huge line out, like out on the street around the corner. And uh, I had done like a pre-sale on a book and they and that put me like closer to the front of the line. Oh nice. Which was amazing. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh no. So I went to go pick up the book and I bought another book and that was basically my skip the line card. Awesome. And what was the pre sale of the book that you did? Well I okay, so all you know I decided if I was gonna have him sign one book, I want it to be the Why the Last Man, volume one. Because that's what kind of launched this whole journey for me. So all of my copies are digital. So mm-hmm. I had to buy a, and I went, oh, I went to six different sh- stores looking for the Big Absolute edition. 
and nobody had it. Nobody had oh. anything hard back in stock. And I was like, dang it. So I put a paper back on hold here. And then when I got here, I saw a sign that was like, if you buy an image, uh, if you buy an image volume, a trade paperback, you get like front of line access. And I was like, I do need paper girls number two. So I bought it and I slid right into the line and I was like, oh my. So it was great because I ended up only waiting like 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so always read the signs really carefully when you get there, you guys. Always okay, read. Right. So um, uh, you, what did you bring to have you? So you bought paper girls? I brought a lot. I actually brought a lot of stuff because I wasn't sure how many things he'd sign. And I heard three. I was like, okay, three is a respectable amount. So I had him sign um, Why the Last Man and got to talk to him about that. And I also brought um, Pride of Baghdad. And one of the store employees saw me with it, and he's like, you know, you're the first Pride of Baghdad I've seen tonight. I was like, yes. Oh, nice. I'm a unique snowflake. <laughs> and, uh, and also, uh, we stand on guard. Oh, all right. But I have in my bag also Paper Girls. What did I bring? Paper Girls, Saga. Um, I saw a lot of Saga. A lot of people oh. holding Saga. And why be that me. person? Because, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. Yeah. But I love it. I like feeling special. So no, there you go. Uh, so as you're standing there in line, mm-hmm. are you thinking like, oh, well, how am I gonna, how am I gonna talk to Brian K. Vaughn? What can I do that's gonna, you know, make this like a really intimate connection between us? Well, yeah, because I always wanna. You know what? What I've noticed is really kind of funny now when I've done a couple of these signings. It's if you just if you actually ask them a pres a question that in your present, then they're usually kind of like almost surprised. <laughs> like, hi, how are you? Then they're like, oh, I'm I'm good. Thank you for asking. Like they just I think people just run up and they're like, hey, and they just like throw their stuff on the table and don't <laughs> they don't know what to say. Uh, so yeah, so I, I don't um so honestly it's it yeah, it was great. And I've and I've heard that he's just the nicest. And he is very nice, pretty quiet. We have a mutual friend. And so Whoa, how am I just learning this now? Oh, I think we've talked about it. Really? Who's his mutual friend? Uh somebody that works on works on the show with me. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So Bugs Bunny. Yeah, Bugs. So we both know Bugs Bunny. <laughs> oh, all right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so that for me, I was like, that's my in so that he knows I'm not crazy because we share mutual friends. So, so I, oh, it's like so it I, vets you almost. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so he doesn't know I'm like a crazy psycho. Uh, and so I got so I got up there and we're just making small talk. And he was nice. He was talking to everybody, which is really nice. And um, I was like, hi, do you know, you know, do you know this person? He's like, yeah, I do. And I said, great. Well, you know, we work on the show together and, you know, he's kind of being my mentor and all this stuff. So we were, t- we had like a little conversation piece going in and I just told him about, I said, oh, by the way, why the last man, this is the one that got, he was like, what do you do on the show? Where are you guys in production? How's everything going? And, um, I was like, just so you know, this book got me into comic books. It was referred by a friend of mine, uh, and, now we do a comic book podcast as like we're actually recording it over there in just a little bit and he's like oh really he's like what is it what's it about and i was like well it's called the novice and frank he's like the novice and frank i said yeah and i told him what our podcast was about and he asked me the name again and he's like i'm gonna look it up and listen to it well boy so i'm like i apologize in advance brian came on no don't we've only <laughs> we've only ever said nice things including now no that's true so he was super nice very friendly and i've heard that he's generally pretty quiet you know, he's just, he's, I think he's just kind of private. And I think that for him, and this is just ba- going off of other people that I've, that I know that have met him, have had interactions with him. He's kind of just like, somebody said the other day, like, oh yeah, my friend's a huge, to, to him, was like, oh yeah, a friend, I'm a friend, a friend of mine's like a huge, you know, BKV fan. He's like, what's BKV? And they're like, that's, that's what they call you. That's like what you're, 
Brown came on. And he's like, really? He's like, do people, he's like, well, that's really cool. Oh, like, look at oh, that. I had no idea. Like he just, he's, I think just super down to earth. And How much nice. did you struggle against yourself saying, when you're done with the signing, just come into the booth and talk to us for a while? It was, it was a lot of self-control, honestly, because I didn't want to make it weird. I don't want to be super weird, you know, but I will probably find a way to get in touch with him after this and be like, by the way, we talked. Here's my podcast. Oh, yeah. And please, please come listen. in and talk to please us. Please come in and talk to us, please. please. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's, he was fantastic. So I feel super, I, I it was, and I felt bad because I, I didn't visit with the other people at the table. You just walked just, away immediately and said, mm, no thanks, guys. I was like, I can't, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you for my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks for all my favorite stories. But yeah, I just, you know, it's one of those things where I wanted to just ask him like, how run Runaways is going because they're in production on Runaways, and but there's like a whole line of people. Yeah, I know you do feel weird. I don't want to be that person, you know. So sorry, guys. I've got my time. Very important things to discuss. (laughs) This is my time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, super super nice. Did you get a photo with him, or was merely a conversation? I did it because nobody else was doing taking photos, and again, I didn't want to make it. Didn't want to be like. Yeah. But he like offered his hand for me to shake, which was super nice. And I know that like before I left. Yeah, I made it real. (laughs) Made Mm. it so weird. (laughs) I was like, smells like genius. Um, So yeah, I I I was just really happy. I was really. And when I got here, I saw one. I was like, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to get through that and get to the podcast. You, you know what you'd have done? Worked. You could have skipped the podcast and just stayed in that line. I feel like that's what you would have done. I wouldn't have. You would I've have known because... you longer than I've known him. And you recommend, you were the friend. Yeah. I called you by name to Brian K. Vaughn. I know, but I've never inspired you the way that Brian K. Vaughn You does. don't know that. I could I be do. working on a Frank-inspired project right now. That's uh, just how to be a garbage person. That is the name of the first yes. issue. It's funny that you should ask. Thank you. Yeah. Great. <laughs> but it's hilarious. And it's you and Oscar the Grouch on adventures together. <laughs> but I am uh, genuinely excited for you that you got a chance to meet somebody that, uh, that you are a big fan of. Thank you. And Me have, too. have a really nice interaction with. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It was, I feel uh, really fortunate. So it was nice. I mean, you know, could have been like Grant Morrison, you know, but whatever. <sighs> Let's not get into that, though. Let's not do it. No, let's not it's do not it. Let's, let's, be better, let's be better than this. <laughs> uh, well, then, you know, we should, we should, I know we're going to be talking about some X-Men. Yes. Uh, but, you know, before we do that, I mm-hmm. feel like I just need to go over uh, Trevor, our trusty engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you reading this evening, Trevor? Uh, I picked up Walking Dead because it's 25 cents yes. this week. What? Yeah. All of them? Just this issue. Oh. Okay. Because uh, it's the image day. Yeah. Um, and then Paper Girls, 11. I bet there's a huge image sale going online. uh, You did not get uh, Superman. The the no, I haven't read. I haven't read the series or the the multiplicity. Gotcha. Run just yet. All right. Is there a huge image sale going on today on Comicsology? There should be. Think so. I should check. I will too. I did not. I no. I don't remember seeing one. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, but uh, in the meantime, though. if we're talking about comics, we can talk about uh, Marvel's Merry Band of Mutants. Yes, that's I love r- that they called them that. That made me laugh. Yes. I, I LOL'd. I laughed out loud at that. <laughs> I, I did. This is the X-Men, of course, the Uncanny X-Men, the Dark Phoenix Saga, uh-huh. Chris Claremont, John Byrne, Terry Austin on the inks. Mm. Uh, this was just one of that. This is a seminal story in the X-Men universe and, and pretty much all the comics. Okay. Yes. So, as I said last week, uh, this is something where... You uh, saw uh, Chris Claremont came on to the Uncanny X-Men when they rebooted it back uh, was it 97, 90, uh, issue 97, 98. 
uh, for, originally it was Roy Thomas writing it, and then he left, and then boom, here comes Chris Claremont. He's with Dave Cochran. They kind of all of a sudden they uh, kind of revitalize the X Men franchise. They make it international. They bring in all these colorful characters: Storm, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, uh, Banshee, mm. uh, Sunspot for an issue, uh, you know, uh, but then he's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then John Byrne comes on. And, you know, I don't know, people are Dave Cochran fans, and he's fine, but I was always like a John Byrne. I, I you know, always I got a sweet spot for him, especially like this this 80s, 70s era John Byrne here. Mm-hmm. So they, I felt like, really clicked here. And, uh, like, a lot of people say, like, they were never better than they were when they were working together on the X-Men. Mm. And so this is uh, just a small little cross-section of one of the big stories that they did together, the death, uh, the Phoenix Saga, the dark Phoenix Saga. Okay. What... Uh, I mean, and, you know, of course, we've got Logan coming out you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a short month. Yeah, it looks good. Have you seen the, you seen the most I have. preview? I it have. looks awesome. And Are we like, going to see that together? We should. We, oh, I, th- I thought we were already. Great, perfect. Did you say that? No, good, yes. Yeah. I'm just going to confirm Now you're backpedaling? No, I'm making sure that we have a set hmm. schedule. That we have a date. verbal commitment yes. to this. I yeah. understand. Got it. Handshake. All right, let the record show we're shaking hands on this. So we Perfect have a witness. physical a witness gesture yeah. for a audio cast. I was Love listening it. to our last one, and we spent like three minutes talking about something, like a gesture that you made. And I'm like, why, why do we do that? People can't see us. Um, yeah, so first of all, uh, so I'm I'm glad to talk about this because I know how excited you were about this one because you you're just you just lit up when we decided Ooh, that we were gonna yes. you may gave tiny applause the last podcast when we decided we were gonna read this so uh, I was excited to, to read it um, I will tell you I want to kick off this discussion by telling you this was very hard for me to find and Marvel and Marvel Unlimited okay so here's here's the problem oh boy the, here's the Here problem we go. There's, there's notes folks there are notes <laughs> there are for notes. this well here, no oh, <laughs> she's got a cheat sheet right here no here's what because I, I like made a little I, I made a note because I was listening to the end of our podcast to because to, I took notes on my phone at the end of the last podcast so I'd know what we were going to read right yes so I was like the Phoenix story right that's what I was like the Phoenix story I was like great um, and I wrote the numbers down and I wrote Chris Claremont and John Byrne I couldn't find it on Marvel Unlimited. I couldn't find anything because it's not just the Phoenix. It's not the Dark Phoenix story. That's what it's called. It's Uncanny X-Men. Yes. It's Uncanny. But we never said that last time. So I didn't know that it was (sighs) part of Uncanny X-Men. So I was trying to search. I was like, search. And on Marvel Unlimited, it's kind of, the search function is kind of weird. On Marvel Unlimited, like you, I don't know. You can just search a title. I think you have to search. It's like you can search by year. And so I Wikipedia it to be like, what am I missing? And it's like 1980. And I'm like, great. So I searched by year 1980. Nothing came up <laughs> at all. And I was like, okay, I'll search by Chris Claremont. And it brought up like a bazillion things. And I was like, this is never gonna work. And the Marvel woman is like, now you have to change your password. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? So I went through this whole thing because I didn't. We didn't say last time that it was the Uncanny X Men. Mm. was part of that. I thought it was like its own thing. So I went to Comixology after I Wikipedia'd it, went to Comixology, and I was like, well, that's what it looks like. I can see it. Why can't I find it on Marvel Unlimited? And then I was like, oh, it's not even 1980. It's a completely different year. So it was a whole ordeal to get it. And now I have it. But now for next time, I was like, I was going to text you and be like, I can't find it. And I was like, no, do things on your own, Amanda. <laughs> you can do this. But oh, I am very proud of you. You stuck to it. I did, and I got it, but I was I was a little frustrated because 
I was like, I was laying my notes for like Gene Gar- Jean Grey Phoenix, The Phoenix Story, number 127, 137. And it wasn't even those numbers. <laughs> it's not even that. It's, I have it. It really kicks in like at 129, so to speak. Well, that's, so when I wikipedia it, it's like, oh, the issues are, first of all, it's 1963, not 1980. Well, 1963 is when this version, this volume of Uncanny X-Men started. Okay. So it went from issue one all the way up to, I want to say issue 544. There are a ton of them. So that was volume one of the Uncanny X-Men from like 1963 to, I think it was a 2005 maybe. Okay. Uh, and then they did Uncanny X-Men 2. As you kind of see Marvel Limited, they got to go by the, the years. Okay. So. Well, I, after doing all that research, <laughs> it basically said the arc was from 129 to 137. Gotcha. So that's what I read. That's perfect. Great. So now we can get into it. But I had to tell you because I was like, no, next no, no. time I have to be, we got to be clear about like what it is because I was just like, this doesn't exist. I'm being punked. Uh, and if anybody was new and trying to read it, I was like, those maybe nobody else is. But like, I, no, I was like, I'm oh. sure there's many other novices mm, listening to this that I are. Hope so. Yeah. Tweet at me novices. So, uh, so yeah. So, all of that aside, I got it. Okay. And uh, and I read it, and I enjoyed it. Really? I did. I did enjoy it. Oh, um, that's that's that. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Oh, you didn't think I'd like it? I why well, I'd hoped I'd hoped you would. I yeah. mean, I would not try to give you. I would never want to give you a title where I think you would not enjoy it. Okay. But you never know. Yeah. Uh, so before we started this, I mean, of course, you know Wolverine from the X Men, but yes. Uh, uh, and you've seen the film, so hearing Cyclops, uh, Storm, the characters at least you know, you've heard it of before, mm-hmm. but uh, more like Colossus was always more of like a big character in the X-Men films. Uh, Nightcrawler was in the second one. So uh, in terms of like how well did you know all the other characters in addition to Wolverine? I felt like I knew them okay, partially because of the movies and partially because when I was a kid we watched the cartoon. Ah, okay. Yeah, so... Um, my my brother's like we we watched the cartoon before like before school, basically. Um, I've angered Trevor. <laughs> he's getting up. He's like I'm That's out of it. here. No, it was too much. He's like he's I'm like, out. <laughs> he's like here is solely no cartoon. Um, yeah, so I felt like I knew them okay. Um, m- the villains I didn't know. Gotcha. The villains I did not know. The Hellfire I, Club. The, the Hellfire Club. Yeah, the like top gentlemen's club, and the the depictions of a lot of the characters, like the depiction of Storm. I was like, what is? She got like big giant eyeballs. Man, this is just such a sweet spot for me in terms of just like the look of the X Men. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's just something about the Burns, the his depictions of them that man just really resonate with me. I um I like I like the costumes. I yeah. think the costumes are cool, with the exception. Okay. Uh, the oh god, what is her name? The White Queen. Oh Emma. Uh, the, yes, I get a queen. better Emma costume. No Emma. Uh, Emma Frost. Emma Frost. Yes. Emma Frost. Not, not Emma Stone. <laughs> Emma Stone. Nope, nope. That's La La Land. <laughs> still there. Um, uh, she's so hot right now. I get it. I get it. Um, her costume looks like in college when girls were like, "I'm an angel," and it was just like a corset and underwear and thigh high socks and then and then she and then somebody was like oh if you put a cape on now you're a hero and she's like oh okay and she's put the cape like her costume sucks oh well what do you think about Jean Grey when she gets turned over into the black queen she's wearing a costume very similar very but somehow but better I don't know why it's better but it is better oh man (laughs) all right oh man oh man so you don't you don't agree with me you you like all the costumes uh 
I mean, the way Queen's costume has always been kind of, you know, very skimpy. And all I her. I don't mind it even being skimpy. It just there's no like. It's it's boring. It it looks it's it's, boring. it's basic bitch. She's it's wearing bi- kind of a basic bitch costume. You're a basic bitch. Yeah, white queen's sort of basic bitch. You heard it here, folks. Stop being basic, bitch. <laughs> Where it. where's the now I want to look at the um which which issue was her uh was Jean Grey's dark So costume? uh oh yeah, 'cause I'm looking at oh, a little corset, little big little undies. Oh, yeah, go, I just think done. it's kinda of boring. I don't know. Oh yeah, so yeah, she tra- yeah, she transforms um after her like wedding in the past. Yes. Right? Yeah, and I don't know if it's just maybe it's her stance. She looks like more powerful. I'm not really too sure. It's not my favorite either. It really isn't. But it, I don't know if it's maybe her hair makes it more interesting. I don't know. But yeah, neither of those are my favorite. I think they could have been like super cool. Well, speaking of other costumes, we've got certainly two looks for Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. One is her just a classic phoenix costume, the mm-hmm. green and gold. And then her dark phoenix, which is more of that deep red mm-hmm. and gold. Do you like one version more than the other? I like the green. Mm. I think the green one's pretty cool. Well, and then she later be puts on um, Marvel. What is it? She becomes Marvel Girl. She, her like, it's one of her original costumes. And well, she's just like randomly. He's like, "Why are you dressed as Marvel Girl?" And she's like, "I don't know, nostalgia." It's like, "What? You mean oh, this old thing?" Like uh, she's just like I he's just the, like keeps it around. I love the Marvel Girl costume. I was always a sucker for that. There's something about that that giant yellow headdress with the big, huge, pointy. Yeah, the, the big like the giant mask. cowl yeah, thing. Yeah, I loved it. I was always a sucker for that story, for that uh, for that look. Did, what, what do you think? What do you, it seems like you have pretty strong opinions. Oh wait, yeah, this is cool. This is her. Um, this is her her dark one, right? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. I'm always torn on that one. Which one I like more, the green and gold or the red and gold? I don't know either. I like the I like the green and gold. I like the little. The, like, but both of them have a thing that I like, which I love the little sash on her hip. Yes. I think it's such a fun, like, I, I really, I just like it. I think it's a cool touch. No, I did I definitely um, enjoy that. But I think it makes a great silhouette. And I love, um, I really like the art in this. Yeah, I'm glad you, uh, there's just something about, this is John Byrne at, like, uh, what many people would say is just kind of like at, at his peak. Okay. Uh, and I really just like the look of it. You it's see just, so much movement in the hair. With all of them? Yeah. But, I mean, it's so, it's, you know, like that, like, it's it's so expressive. It's yes. It's like if her hair were just flat, it wouldn't, it, that's all, that's all. It looks like the whole picture is in movement, you know what I mean, in motion. So, um, yeah, I like the art a lot. I think that there's, this to me, this to me is an example of a lot going on. you got an ensemble of characters. You have a lot of fight sequences, but I wasn't confused. Nice. I, I could read the page, you know, and, and kind of make my way from panel to panel. Now they're much more separated than the last, the last one that we uh, talked about that I had a hard time with X factor. Yes. They're much more, they're more segmented, Mm -hmm. right. With like white space between each panel. Um, and, but for me, you know, it's just, just easier to read. Why can't I just click on that one? Why can't I just do that? They should have, they should have that as an option. (laughs) The, um, so, I don't know, there's something, there. Claremont loves to write, and he loves to put a lot of words in both the, in the, the narration boxes as well as some people's dialogues, and mm-hmm. a lot of it's always like, you know, I own this person body and soul, or you know, it's like, there's yeah. always those kind of words uh-huh. and stuff. Uh, in terms of, because there's a lot of narration. It's, there's a lot, I mean, even like the, the last page, 
Look at how many much dialogue there is. Yeah, tons. Narration. There's a tons. shit ton of words. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are a lot. You're right. There are a lot of words per page. Do you uh, do you feel like that's just way too much? Did you just enjoy his style of the time? Um, I I thought it was a lot. I didn't necessarily feel like it was all necessary. But that being said, maybe that's one of the reasons that I didn't feel lost was because he was very much like, and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> they see this issue, and I'm like, I don't remember. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> you know? And you definitely get the lesson where, uh, like, Jim Shooter is always dying, thinking, like, everybody's, you know, uh, every comic is could be somebody's first. Yeah, which is such a great... Yeah. yeah, and so you see in this a lot of uh, just like recapping of mm-hmm. stuff that, of the storyline thus far, like you know maybe up to a page uh, in terms of flashing back and stuff, which uh, like now we're so used to like just uh, having that eliminated and just like the storyline is just continuous, but mm-hmm. you feel like you get bogged down for a second after like read this. I, pretty much, I'll be honest. When I was reading these again, I was like. All right, this is just a recap page. I'm gonna skip this because I know. I know You're right, I know but the for story me, is. it's nice, and it's nice to have it there if you should want it. You know, yeah. and I, I kind of miss. I mean, I sort of wish that more comics now did it. You know, I'm always really grateful. Like, um, for instance, and and even if I'm reading it in real time, if it's a monthly or even six weeks or longer, it's hard to remember. It's like I don't want to go back and reread the whole series every month. You know, yeah. if it's been going on for a while, and if there are a lot of characters, then. But, you know, that's one thing that, like, Bitch Planet does really well is, like, they have a page up top that's kind of, like, it's not a, it's not a, like, issue for issue recap, but it's, like, just so you remember, this is what happened, and this is who, you know, this is who we're focusing on yeah. now, you know? So, uh, for me, I, I love that. I love having that as an option. Ooh, all right. Mm-hmm. Now, reading this, certainly at this time, there wasn't, the X-Men was, were a team. There was Wolverine, and we all know him. I mean, certainly if you look back at the X Men, he's definitely with the, with looking back, mm-hmm. probably the X Men that's character that's most popular. He really popped, became such a iconic figure. But mm-hmm. back in these issues, he hadn't become the the Wolverine that we all know and love. He was just part of a team. But mm-hmm. you see that transformation happen during the course of the storyline. Uh, reading this, did you have any favorites? Did Wolverine stick out to you as your favorite? Did you have any other ones that you really any of the other X Men that you enjoyed? Um, I mean, I, uh, I don't really know what Nightcrawler's deal is still, I feel like. Um, I like Beast. Yes. I always like Beast. I think he's cool. Um, Wolverine's so hairy. He is, man. <laughs> and Just... he, he's, like, he's always, I mean, he's never been like a, you know, like a slick seal or anything like that. But in this one, it's like every time that, it's like, it's like he took a lot of time illustrating every little hair on his body. It's the best. <laughs> he's so... it is, he is a bear. You're uh, a fan? Yes. <laughs> There's just something about that. It was just like just all just. I mean, it's just yeah, it's just like completely like all on his back and shoulders yes, and stuff. I'm just like, oh yes, my I was thinking of that exact that panel, panel as you were talking about it. Yep, that was it. <laughs> Where he's sitting there getting ready to fight the the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah, he's like getting he's getting ready, and I love I love the close-ups of um. I think they got some great. Uh, this whole page I actually really like a lot, but like his profile there, where he's like yes. the three quarter, um, and I love that you can see like the wings in his hair. I always thought that was really cool about Wolverine. I don't know. I know. It, it always it always made me laugh because it was like he's got that helmet and then he takes it off and his <laughs> yeah, hair like pretty much looks just like it. Shape. I'm like, that's so weird. Like you deliberately get your hair to look like that. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird, but I like it. And I like that I feel like he and be even look like even like on his butt. He's hairy Well, look at I mean he is. Um but yeah, I think that uh he and Beast could be really similar. 
And but I feel like they're so different. Yeah, because I feel like the Beast, he's definitely got the you know he's got the intelligence there. But at least in this kind of incarnation that he's there, he's on the Avengers, which I always love Beasts on the Avengers. You do, I, you do. You, we talked about yes. that. You love Beast on the Avengers. And so this right there, this is my favorite interpretation of the Beast in oh, terms of okay. back in this era, he's got that kind of look about him. Uh, he's more, even though he, he treats a little bit more serious this time, he is more of the. Got the intelligence, but also more of the ladies' man slash jokester as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so I, I'd get say it. I, I definitely like that. But I, what I liked about this is that it kind of I I liked how Claremont kind of reached back into the X Men roots, grab back uh, Beast, grab back Angel, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I don't know, like I've always had like a soft spot for Angel, even though I mean you know he's not the most exciting X-Men character because he just has wings and he can fly. And right. That's it. But he's cool looking. He is. And I I don't think I've ever seen, I've never liked him more than when John Byrne draws the angel. He just looks awesome then. Yeah, he does. He looks cool. He looks powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, see, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I mean, I like, um, so <laughs> I'm just like super distracted. Uh, where is, okay, uh, which issue number is that one? This one is, um, Number 132. Yes, because there's some really cool stuff in that one. There's a lot going on. I Yeah, I, I like, uh, I mean, you know, I, I like Beast. I like Logan. I think that poor Storm, man, they're all saved, and she's, like, still in her underwear for a while. It's like, somebody get Storm some clothes. <laughs> poor thing. Um, but she's cool looking, too. You know, I think her costume is, see, that's an example to me. Storm has a skimpy costume, but it's awesome. Oh, yes. You know? Like it's not doesn't look like she just like rolled out of like picked up a, like her club wear from the whiteout night the week before and put it on with a cape. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, uh, well, what I do like though is going back to Angels where he's wearing that where you go first meets the X Men in this issue one thirty two where he's got that really cool tank top on, but he's got the bandana on. Yeah. He's rocking the bandana. He's got, like he's so very eighties. I guess it's not even because this was earlier, but he yeah he's got like the. The short shorts. The short shorts, and like he looks like a gym teacher who yeah. sprouted wings. <laughs> yes, you know, it's yeah. So that's like right on uh, on the cover, second second page, and splash page. That's what you call it. Yeah, splash and then uh, Candy Southern's his girlfriend's co- dress uh-huh. is just yeah. like, like what's going on? The, all the rage. Um, the artist was like, you know what women love to wear and look great in lace up things like all (laughs) there's like four three or four female characters in this arc they're all like the basis of their lots of sashes which again i like i like the sash that jean gray wears um but like lots of lace up everything there's like two lace up corsets that aren't even lace they've got like the little strip of, of of skin and lace up boots yes you know it's like you know what you know what women love, but like candy Southern, thing that, yeah. you, that laces up. That's They're right. all about it. That says power to me. So like, like candy Southern, she is not. She doesn't have underwear. She can't be wearing underwear in this. Um, you know, they make underwear you can wear. Well, yeah, but this thing back in the time period though. No, probably not then. Because when was this? I mean, I, here's the deal. I actually I think, like her. I actually like her look. I think it's super cute. I like yeah. her hair. Yeah. She looks like she's from the Flintstones in a, in a good way. I don't know why, but. But I, I, I mean, this is a, a very, uh, very sexy little dress. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's no. She's not wearing an underwear. There's yeah. No well, you know, she's she's nailing Angel. Like, why does she need? Why does she need underwear? But you think that if she flies with him, then she'd probably want to wear underwear. And oh, <laughs> what I also like too about Angel <laughs> is. Uh, just like, of course, Angel, one of the original five X-Men, 
Yeah. So old pals with Jean Grey, Scott, uh, uh, Iceman, Bobby Drake, The Beast, mm-hmm. if he's hanging out. So those those are the core guys. It's been a while since he's been away from the X-Men, so he's been off doing his own thing, running Worthington Industries, uh-huh. living out in New Mexico with his girlfriend, Candy. But then when they show up, I mean, he just goes right for, full boom. On, full on lip kiss, Jean Grey. Yes, full just like, thing. hey, old pal, right. let me kiss you right on the list. And even to the point of like holding the chin. I know, that's such a tender, it's <laughs> a very intimate. It's a, He just goes right for it. The man has no fear. I feel like, um, so especially with the mm. Mm. <laughs> oh my, three lowercase m's followed by two uppercase m's. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's into it. She's feeling it. What? I, I mean, have you, do you? Have you ever had like an old friend come up and and like greet you like after seeing not having seen you for a while with? You know, holding your chin mm. and just planting uh, like a, a, like a charged kiss on you. I can't say that I have. I can't say that I have. I've had people pick me up, which <laughs> kind of delights me because it makes me feel dainty. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never had anybody like no full on like lip kiss me. No? no. Would you be weirded out if somebody did? Kind of. I'd probably laugh. Like they'd probably go in for it and I'd be like, what? What is happening right now? I'd probably laugh about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, I don't even know like in what, in like who I in my life have a relationship with, who if they like went in for that, I'd be like, yeah, this is normal. I don't know. Do you? Um, Oh, I mean, I, I do that all the time with my friends. That's, okay. Yeah. Well, then I feel left out because Male, you've female. never just like walked up and mm. chin uh, grab lip kiss me. That's right. To say hello. Uh, shout out to our, our mutual friend of ours, Chris McGowan. You oh, yeah. See, the next time you see him, you guys, you, you guys are old pals. Mm-hmm. You get to see each other. It's been it's probably been like what, maybe a year. A little, a little less than a year, okay. but yeah, I don't. You know what? There, I can't have too much Chris McGowan in my life. There you go. I but, really can't. But it's been a while since you've seen him. Yeah. He comes up, gives you a kiss right on the lips. You know what? I would allow it. <laughs> I would. I'd be like, what? Is this a new thing that, that, that you're doing? And I'd be like, all right. I like this confident, this confident, suave, debonair Chris McGowan. <laughs> I will allow that. <laughs> I'll allow it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should do it, too, to him. And we'll just make mm. that just. <laughs> really? And I'd be like, mmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I have, I have kissed people on stage in improv. Yeah. And what's funny about that is because for me it's just it's just like it really is just acting. And as long as it comes from a, a place of spontaneity and nothing and you're comfortable with people on stage, I don't have any problem with it. Um and uh it was funny because I was doing I was doing a, a scene with Michael you know Michael McCusker. Yes. So this was years ago. We were on a team together and he walked into the scene with me and I was like we were like doing dishes or something and he turned and he kissed me on the mouth. And then we, and we like went about the scene, and what's funny, and it kind of it like caught me off guard a little bit, but it wasn't, an, it wasn't weird, it wasn't unnatural. Like we were just clearly a couple in the scene, and we were like doing dishes and doing housework. And then after the show, they're like, "That was a really good show. It was good." And Mike's like, "I feel good about it." And I was like, "You kissed me," and he's like, "Did I?" Like he hadn't even remembered, and I was like, "Well, yeah, if I you know. were kissing me for real, you'd remember it." Oh. But uh, no, it was so. It's I don't I don't know. I'm not too weird. And then. I had a show here. I do a show called Fairy Tales Against Humanity that's a lot of fun. Um, and um, my friend Rachel and I were in the scene together, and we totally just like t- it was. It's a weird show, and it's in a in the best way. It's really fun mm. and ridiculous. But um, we were playing a couple, and there's this like 
bizarre sexual tension throughout the whole show. And at the very end, we like she she leaned into me, and I'm like, "All right, we're gonna do this." And then she stuck out her tongue, so we like totally yes, like tongue just like super tongue. But it was funny. It wasn't. There's like just so nothing sexy about it at all. It was mostly just hilarious. So, (laughs) so yeah, and that I I don't um, in real life. It'd be kind of weird if people like walked up and casually kissed me on the mouth. But I missed, I was in Europe for a summer. I lived in Spain for a summer. And I very much miss the like kissing on each cheek hmm. when you meet somebody. I think it's really nice. Well, maybe it's up to you to bring bringing it back. Great. I'll just do that. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. not? You know, yeah. if you do it, you know. I do have a friend that does that when he sees me. He kisses me on each cheek. Yeah. And that's fine. That's nice. Oh, well, there you go. All right. I like to cradle the butt cheeks, but that's just me. I've noticed that you do that. That's right. Uh, that's my... You know, that's why. That's why when I when we see each other, I always try to just 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 front towards you. <laughs> <laughs> I make you really work for it. <laughs> um, I, uh, I two great characters they introduce in the storyline here. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, way to bring it back. Yes, is we've got uh, Kitty Pride uh-huh. who goes on to become Shadow Cat, becomes uh, you know Sprite, uh, very various different monikers, many different costumes throughout the years. But we've got Kitty Pride, a young thirteen and a half year old who has got who eventually manifests the ability to face through walls. Yes, and then we've got Allison Blair, known as Dazzler. Dazzler. And that sweet <laughs> disco outfit of hers. She's wearing roller skates. Yes. I didn't even know that she was on roller skates until like I was already like nine pages in. And I was like, is she on skates? I am such a fan of Dazzler. Of Dazzler? Yes. I love absolutely. that she's got a name like a My Little Pony. It's it's amazing. Why do you like Dazzler? There, I mean, come on. Look at that. I mean, she has got she has roller skates. She's got that cool disco ball necklace. Uh-huh. She is just the epitome of awesome 70s look. Yeah. But like, I felt like released at a time when it was like disco was already on its way out. Yeah, disco's like, dead, but yep. she's she's keeping Boom. it alive. I like that. I thought her, it was a really funny... I like her too, and I like her. Co- I think her costume's super fun and weird. But and I'm like, how do I get thin enough to cosplay that and get a wig that's huge? I mean, if I get like a giant oh. wig, wouldn't that be great? Yes, you as Dazzler would be awesome. Do you think people would recognize her? Absolutely. She really? okay. this look of the character mm-hmm. so well loved. Because I think I think she's really fun. Yes, she's like a, a bright spot of fun in this whole thing. And I think the whole book is fun. But she's like just like kind of she's so over the top even for this reality. It's like, what me in the? This is so crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> little me in the being with all the X Men. Like what? I just love her personality. It's really ridiculous. But um, her entrance is so fun. And then like she's found a way to make her power pertain to entertainment. Yes, it's kind of like. Um, I don't know, it reminded me weirdly of, you've seen Dogma, right? Yeah. Which is amazing. But when Salma Hayek is working in the strip club, oh, she's yeah. a muse, and she's just like, and she's a pole dancer, but she's a, it's like, way to make pole, you know, like, that that it fit for your real, real life. And I love that Dazzler's like, I'm a star. <laughs> I, I, I've always been a fan of this, interp- uh, this iteration of the character, and I feel like she's always kind of danced, you know, like kind of, you know, been on the outskirts of the X-Men, and eventually joined for a little while, but... I wish she had been folded back into the team in this iteration just to see, just to get that that boost of popularity. Yeah. That I feel like a character like this would would have needed. I mean, she became a herald for, of Galactus for for an issue. Oh, did she? Yes. That's pretty cool. Come I on. I would uh I would read more of her. I you know I would, I think that character would do really well rebooted. 
Yes. Especially well, if you really just stylized the shit out of it. You put her in like a really specific era. Well, they've rebooted you know? her. I mean, not just they rebooted her, but just kind of you know modernized her. Uh-huh. And, no, I don't want her modernized. Uh, no. I want her just like this, but I want like everything sparkly and I, I don't know. I want to, uh, I think she's cool. <laughs> So this, as I mentioned, like this is kind of like the the storyline that really catapulted Wolverine, kind of like put him uh, kind of at the forefront, mm-hmm. because uh, there's a sequence there where he's where they're fighting the Hellfire Club that he gets thrown down into the subway system, and you see right there at the end of that issue, uh, where he's left for dead, and then he comes back out and it's like you know he's like hey what are they get a load of me? Okay, suckers, you've taken the your best shot. Now it's my yeah. turn. And I love it. it's like the bottom. It says next. Wolverine, alone, nuff said. <laughs> That's the little tagline at the bottom of this issue. Um, which, yeah, like, yeah, he, uh, it's weird because at the beginning he's so, he's like, stop treating me like a kid, Professor X, is kind yes. of the, you know, he's just all, which is funny because he's not a kid. No, he's like, he's a grown man. Right, but he's just like, respect me, <laughs> give me out, and he's behind a thick door? He, he was in the danger room. And what is, I don't understand uh, what the danger room is. Uh, the danger room is, the, is like the X-Men's training room. Okay. So they, uh, through advanced, uh, like, they use some of the uh, Shire technology, the, the, the aliens that they ended up fighting at the uh-huh. end of this, the whole storyline, use some of their technology to create scenarios uh, for the X-Men to train against and oh. test their abilities. Okay. So he's just locked in there all the time? You know, you, every student goes in there, and, and you sit up there in the control room. It's either Professor X or... If, Cyclops or Storm, they're leading the X-Men at the time, they can set up the other programs so that you can uh, test your abilities, Mm. learn how to work better as an individual and as part of the team. Okay. Yeah. Well, why is he being all bitchy about it then? Uh, Because I think, like, uh, at this point in the storyline, Professor Xavier had been gone for a while, so Scott, Cyclops kind of took over. I know. And they were kind of butting heads. Professor X let him have it. Yes. He's like, I don't mean to beat forward, but it seems like they've, failed under your leadership and I'm going to remedy it. And yes. I was like, whoa, step back, <laughs> Xavier. Why, why are you being so mean? You know? And he was, where was he was gone? Where'd he go? He, he was in outer space for a while with uh, Lilandra, the uh, the queen, yes. the empress, that yeah. uh, is looking to uh, take Jean Grey and put her on trial or at least destroy her okay. with Phoenix Force. Well, you know what? When you leave all your people and you go to space for a while, somebody's got to step up, so maybe don't criticize that person's leadership the second you get back. Well, I do like Scott having the, like, the thought bubbles, like, I know I'm right, but how do I say, how do I make him know that? I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I like, uh, I mean, I like Jean Grey and Cyclops' relationship. Uh, did you, uh, like, uh, where they're sitting out there in the uh, in New Mexico on the, like, the, the mesa there, just uh, making it, she uses her Phoenix of Force abilities to keep back his optic blast so mm-hmm. that they can take off the visor and make out face to face. Yeah. It's pretty slick. Yeah, no more words, my love. No questions. <laughs> like, oh. That really made an impression on you, that scene. <laughs> I mean, like reading back on these, it's been a long time since I read these stories, but mm-hmm. going back, there's just something about like the way Claremont, Claremont just kind of creates a universe for these guys where it's not there's a quiet, there's quiet moments, mm-hmm. which I kind of really like. It doesn't yeah. have to be like action, action, action all the time. There's just quiet moments and there's also moments where you know like they're at a location and days pass, uh, you know, and then you kind of follow back on the story. So you feel like these characters have kind of taken a breather. They've kind of recharged. They've had conversations. They've had lives. They've, you know, mm-hmm. had moments that brought them probably closer together. And then we pick back up in the middle of the next adventure. I, yeah. I, I kind of I like the way that it kind of gives them those moments to breathe. Yeah, I think it's I, – I agree with you. I think it's nice. It's like if it's action constantly, then it's – 
too much. Like you, ha- I, I, you have to have peaks and valleys in everything, yeah. right? And I think this is no exception. Wolverine alone. He did it, man. He was. Uh, I mean, you got to see him just like you know off the cuff. I felt like this is the one that really showcased like, hey, Wolverine. You know, he's the cool guy in here. He's got claws. He's a badass. Was he not the cool guy before this? He was, but he was also just part of the team. Okay. So he was just a member. So you even you mentioned like at the beginning where he's like, you know, he's just one other guy, kind of you know, like mad that the professor's making him train. Yeah. But like I felt like this was the issue. This is a storyline, and that issue in particular, like, kind of just like said, kind of put like a little shiny light on him. So like, whoa, look how cool this guy is. Do you think that this issue, like this collection of issues, is responsible for why he? Because I feel like most, if you ask anybody. If you do a poll, like, name me an X-Men, I feel like the answer is almost always going to be Wolverine. Even if they don't know, if they don't know anything especially, they're yeah. going to be like Wolverine. I think so. And I think this is a storyline that really just, like, put him out there. And so, kind of like, made him a favorite. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool. When when was he, because where were the first X-Men stories? Like when? 60, yeah. 63. Like, six, so okay, it so was six, uh, okay. Stanley and Jack Kirby. Okay. And then Jack Kirby left after... I want to say 10 issues or so. Okay. Uh, and then it was taken over by some other artists and stuff. And then, so it kind of went for one Stan Lee, kind of wrote, and then went to Roy Thomas. And okay. then Roy Thomas and Neil Adams had a really good run. And that's when they kind of uh, retweet the costumes. They gave uh, Jean Grey, because everybody had like the blue and yellow costumes. Mm-hmm. And then they said, hey, now we're going to kind of differentiate each of the characters, give them their own look. So Cyclops had a different look. Uh, Jean Grey got the Marvel Girl look. Uh, Beast Boy, or sorry, not Beast Boy, I'm thinking of Teen Titans, uh, Beast, Iceman, and Angel all had different costumes as well. So they didn't look all uniform. Okay. A little bit more to kind of showcase their different personalities. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then it ended like, I want to say like in the uh, issue, I can't remember, like somewhere in issue 61 or 62, and then until like 96 or 97, they just did reprints. Hmm. They reprinted a bunch of X-Men issues. And then they did Giant Size X-Men number one to kind of reboot the concept Okay. Uh, and made it all international with all these different characters and then folded it back into the regular series and then it was since then. So they they stopped, they took a break in the, like in the 90s, issue, not in the 90s, the years, right? Or are you talking no, about 90s? Issue numbers. Years? Issue numbers. So, yeah. in the ni- so in the issue 90 something, they put a halt on it and then basically like reevaluated and then, but then... A, and created a number one. No, they, uh, well, just they're like a giant size X-Men, almost like an annual, but okay. just like a giant size issue. Giant size X-Men number one. And okay. this was the reintroduction to Cyclops, but then also adding Wolverine, uh, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Nightcrawler, Banshee, and, uh, oh, oh, gosh, what's this? Uh, shoot. My, uh, my token, uh, uh, American Indian that ended up dying. Oh, uh, no, uh, I don't want to say Warpath. That's his brother, but yeah. his oh, shoot, well, Trevor. That's, it's cool. You're just a racist. Is it Warpath? I think they're both named Warpath. He and his brother are both named Warpath. I think his brother became Warpath after he died. Mm. Thunderbird. 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 There you okay. go. Yes. Okay. Uh, but that, that was to show you the dangers of being an X Men. So everybody lives. So that big giant <laughs> first. It, what's it called? Giant size X Men number one. Giant sized X Men number one. So that was basically. To just kind of like re garner interest. Yeah, just kind of like, hey, like, let's reboot this franchise. Like, if you like this, you should start issue one that we started like way back in the day. Or is it like moving on from here? Moving. Start like issue 98. We're jumping back. For example, if yeah. it was in the 90s, issue 90s. So say, say hypothetically, they did all of these 
they did all of these Uncanny X-Men into like 95, right? Let's say to issue number 95. And then like, all right, we're going to take some time off. And then they did that big ass giant X-Men. Giant size X-Men number one. <laughs> giant size X-Men number one. And release that. And then they're like, if you enjoy this, you should start up with Uncanny X-Men number 96. And like basically just like picked it right back up again where they left off. Yeah. It, nowadays, you would start with the new number one. Right. And just go off and running. But back then, like new number ones were like, eh, you know, we can, we can, there's something about like that history and that legacy. So you could do those long, you could, you know, like having a lot of issue numbers was really cool. So. Well, it is. I mean, I was looking at it and I was like, holy shit, there's like 550 some odd of these. <laughs> like huh. how long could this have gone on? But that makes, I mean, that makes more sense now. Let me so, double, double checking on my. There we go. So, uh, so it went all the way from issue one up to. Like, boom, 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 sixty-six. Yeah, so it went up to issue sixty-six. Okay. Then stopped, and they just did reprints, up until John uh, says X Men number one. And when, and, then, and when was that put out? That Giant came out in 1975. Okay. So it stopped in 1970 as a oh, first so run. Oh, so like a full-on five years. Yeah, so they did reprints, and then they appeared like in Marvel Team-Up. They appeared mm-hmm. like in an issue of uh, a couple issues of Avengers. They kind of appeared a couple different places. Uh, the Hulk, they showed up in a couple issues. Uh, but their their title was just reprinting their old issues. And then they did Giants has X-Men, X-Men number one. And then Chris Claremont jumped on with X, Uncanny X-Men number 94, and they continued the story out of that. And I feel like Roy Thomas kind of, you know, started the, you know, kind of reconceptualized the franchise, but really Chris Claremont took the ball and just ran with it and turned the X-Men into the franchise that it is today. So he, they stopped, I'm sorry to make you repeat yourself, I'm trying to yeah. get a good grasp on this. So they stopped in the 60s, is that what you said? Uh, they stopped in 1970. They stopped in 1970, but issue, issue number, number 66. 66, but then they picked up again issue number 90-something? Issue 94, so in between, so they were reprinting. So like issue 67 was like an old issue of X-Men, like an earlier, yeah. Oh, so they were still assigned the numbers. Yes, but they were just reprinting. They were just reprinting. So so technically then issue number one of Uncanny X-Men would be like the same as issue number 68. Yeah, 67, 68, 67. yeah. Just kind of reprinting uh, selected issues from that. And then as it got up, you know, I'm sure somebody said like, you know, what if we did a little something different than the X-Men? Like, a, you know, Roy Thomas has the idea like, oh, what if we take it more global? We add mutants from around the world as opposed to just these, you know, these five kids. Would that not be so, I, was that not, I don't know. This is kind of blowing my mind a little bit. So I'm finding this really interesting. Why is this blowing your mind? Because how do you re-release something under a different number when nothing is different, but it's in the same exact run? Well, yeah, but you got to think like back then, like reprints were a lot more common than they are now. And that was a way that if you're about, certainly X-Men was a little different case, but mm-hmm. for any series, uh, if you were running behind and artist got sick or writer got sick, right. whatever happened, you were going to miss your deadline, they would just do a reprint and they'd reprint an earlier issue of that series. And, and it wouldn't even be sequential or they would be sequential? No, it would just be a reprint. So it, they, they may just do like a, a reprint of one issue, like maybe like their origin issue for that for those characters. But they give it a new number. They would give it the new number. So it would be like, in, like issue 67, but it's really issue one. In the original. So you're basically just getting a reprint of issue one, but we're calling it issue 67. We may do a new cover on it, uh-huh. uh, but it's going to be the contents of the story are going to be issue one. Just Did reprinted. people get confused? Not enough. They didn't get, no. I think. And they, they weren't angry? Well, I think you're definitely angry because you're <laughs> bu- you're buying like, oh, I'm just getting a reprint of this issue. Right. But also if you're thinking too, if you know, a lot more new readers are coming in, uh, 
you know, comic book shops weren't as prevalent. Now they, I mean, they didn't exist then. So trying to track down, like, if you're trying to, if you just came into X Men with like issue sixty five, uh-huh. and you're trying to find issue one, probably not going to be easy for you to find. But All then right. all of a sudden, somebody reprints that issue for like, oh, this is cool. I can get a reprint of this issue, and I can get, kind of get caught in like the Amanda Barnes way, right on the ground floor. <laughs> that yeah. is what they are calling it now. So, okay. But there, but admittedly, there. I think some people would get frustrated, like in the middle of a series uh, or, or like a long storyline. Also, there's like one reprint issue because yeah. and you're like, what's the creators feel behind it, yeah. And you're like, oh, I was waiting for the new issue of this because you left that on a cliffhanger. Now this is a reprint. Yeah, Whoa, and that's this? the thing. Like they probably don't say it on the cover. No. They, so I would I would be so irritated if that happened to me. Like especially if you know it's like you didn't have the internet and stuff to get on and be like, what's going on? Because there'd always be at the bottom uh, somewhere on that first page would say originally printed in blank, whatever. Ah, uh, so. okay. And were you were you able to? Because sometimes now I can't. Uh, you can't take it out of the plastic and look at them. No. Well, if you go over and ask your your local comic provider if they can, can I open up the plastic and take a look? No, I was told yeah. no. Uh, you were told no? Mm-hmm. Really? That if they're, if they're taped closed, you can't open them. Well, you can't yourself, but if you take it up to the counter mm-hmm. and say, I'd like to just, can I, is it possible to take a look at the contents of this? Oh, then they'll open it for <laughs> you? Yeah, they'll open oh, it for okay. you. It's right. a discourage like everybody and their, their uncle just like, <laughs> I'm just going to open up everything and just right. maybe not putting it back, putting it in wrong, getting mm-hmm. the tape stuck on the covers or trying to put it back in. <sighs> Party fell. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. Okay. So, yeah, so reprints, I mean, like kind of a necessary, at least there was like a necessary evil, but right. not... Because I feel like now, like I could see them. I mean, I don't want to feel like people would get pissed, but I because I I guess that maybe having a reprint is better than having nothing for five months. Yeah. But I would just want it to be clearly labeled. Well, they're so irritated. No, it's true. Well, but then even like Marvel did like reprint runs. So like uh, okay, the Amazing Mm Spider-Man, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko. They're publishing Amazing Spider-Man, then Steve Ditko leaves, then it's John Romina Jr., Stan Lee leaves, then it's you know, Roy Thomas, blah, 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 they can, they Jerry Conway, the issues keep going. Uh, but then they do this uh, series called Marvel Tales, and they just start reprinting the original Spider-Man from number one and start reprinting him again. So that was a good way, since, like I said, the comic book shops weren't as prevalent, mm-hmm. trying to find like old issues of that stuff, either one, trying to find it, or if you did find it, it may be very expensive. Uh, now they're just reprinting it in Marvel Tales, so they're reprinting all the Spider-Man stories in order. Okay. Uh, mm. They did the Fantastic Four, like I think it was Marvel's Greatest Stories. They reprinted old Fantastic Four stories. So okay. yeah, so some some series just became like reprint vehicles for older issues. And basically now the what they do is that the alternative, the modern equivalent for us is when they release a volume, right? Like a trade paperback. Would that kind of be the equivalent? Is like all right. Now they did. They always have those. Well, no, uh, no, I guess like the trades didn't start coming out. Well, no, like Marvel did stuff like in the seventies, like uh, like Son of Marvel or something like that, where it was like a trade paperback of a uh, collection of issues. Mm. Not necessarily just uh, it would, but it was more like random issues all collected together, as opposed to like a, a lengthy run, like of a something. best ofs. Yeah, I'm trying to think like when the first trade paperbacks started coming out. Mm. I don't know, but they were doing it uh, the first. Issue I have of Ultimate Spider-Man is a magazine reprint. Oh yeah, I they got it from the newsstand. And it was the first two issues reprinted in a magazine. Huh. And that was also like the only way I could get it because this is also early 2000s, so the number one issue was like sold out and like hundreds of dollars. Right. Yeah, I know Oof. it's like super expensive to yeah. find it. Huh. But it was mostly just like it was a way to keep the title going without 
putting in the effort of creating new content. Yeah, and I totally get it. And I think it's a good way of, it probably is that, right? It's a good way of like reintroducing something to people who maybe didn't get the chance to read it before or haven't read yeah. it before. I would just, my big hang up with that story is like, well, were they clearly labeled? This sounds deceptive <laughs> to me. <laughs> it's more just comic fandom and the way we look at comics was so radically different back then. Yeah. They, they were kid stuff. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily bitch about like, Oh, fucking, I already have this collection of Charlie Brown comics. Yeah. And that was kind of what they were. Yeah. yeah. They still printed on newspaper and newsprint and everything like that. Yeah. They smell so good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they smell so good like painting small paper. No, that's right. Uh, in fact, I was over at uh, House of Secrets over there in Burbank. Uh-huh. Like, I don't bookshops there, but they have one like, of the six the, that I looked for. The uh, hardback copy. Of uh-uh. They have uh, all those dollar books, and so I found like a bunch of issues of Marvel Tales reprinting all those old Spider Mans, and I bought a bunch of them up to uh, share with Josie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. And when were those reprinted? Marvel Tales. 80s? Okay. Yeah. All right. So course at the end of the storyline the mm-hmm. whole big thing thank you for, for bearing with me on that tangent oh, i feel yeah, yeah. much better informed but that's fascinating for me much more betterer much more better uh we see jean gray she succumbs to the power of the dark phoenix she ends up destroying a planet killing you know five billion people yeah uh the the shiar so like we can't do this this is uh, irresponsible for this phoenix force to be out there we need to destroy it we need to contain it so they take the X-Men from mm-hmm. Earth and Professor Xavier knowing is spending time with Empress uh, the Empress knows like the declaring a special like hey a duel uh, mm-hmm. yeah so like are, are my X-Men against your Imperial Guard if we win we get a leave with Jean Grey and if you guys win then Jean Grey is yours yeah and uh, the, the X-Men are definitely in over their heads mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. what did you think of this final storyline there um, I mean I, I thought it was good I, uh, I'm trying to think of like something better to say than I just thought it was good. I mean, you kind of knew, right? You kind of know because of the type of because she ends up sacrificing her. She and she knows. Yes. Right. She's did you, sacrificing did you, herself. Were you? Would you have been satisfied if they had only like depowered her? Did you think she needed to be dead? Had her actions as Dark Phoenix said to you as a reader, like? Somebody like this, if they've killed five billion people, even though she probably was in control, she was overwhelmed by this cosmic entity, mm-hmm. she still needs to pay for what she did. No, not if she's out of con- Well, because she was essentially possessed, right? Yeah. So if she's just being careless with her powers, then maybe, yeah. But it wasn't her, really, was it? Kind of? Well, certainly later revisionist Marvel history will let you know that this really wasn't Jean Grey at all. Mm. But for everybody reading this currently, thinking that this was the Jean Grey we knew and love all the way from X-Men 1. Okay. So I think we talked about this before, but originally she lived but was just depowered. And the editor, Jim Shooter, saw this and said, like, no, she she committed uh, mass genocide, Mm -hmm. so she needs to pay for this. You need to kill her off. Right. So there is... Uh, they did do like a, the untold story of the Phoenix where they kind of reprint the original issue where she gets depowered, but she's still alive. Hmm. Uh, and it's interesting reading that story as well as this and just see like the slight changes that right. they made from tweaking it to what we read now to what was more of a, I don't say a happier ending, but at least, you know, more life. Like she was, she was still alive at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean... I guess I thought when I was reading it that she was just possessed, yeah. kind of. Like, I, I, there really, when I was reading it, I didn't really think it was her. Like, she just had so, this cosmic entity that was just, like, overwhelming her. Yeah, 
Yeah, that she was. I I I placed her more as like more of a victim in this scenario. Hmm. I think when I was reading it. Um, well, because certainly but, in the context, she does get the Phoenix Force by willingly being willing to sacrifice her life to save her friends mm-hmm. as they're crashing in a space shuttle that's losing its shielding, all this radiation's pouring in. So mm-hmm. she's willing to pilot back down to Earth, knowing that she's going to kill herself, but her friends and family, her friends, will be alive. Right. And the Phoenix Force sees this and merges with her, gives them an opportunity to kind of still save herself. Yeah, yeah. When you were, re- I mean, when you were reading it, what did you think? It's a uh, Man, it, it, what I liked about it is, I mean, it just, I mean, it's a, it's a very much a downbeat ending for sure. Yeah, it's like, no, done. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, really, there it's you like go. the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I uh, well, this is unrelated. I like that Colossus lays his wardrobe out on his bed the night before. It's so neat <laughs> and tidy. Like, they're all sleeping on the spaceship. And uh, first of all, the, the picture of Storm is so sassy. She's like on her. She's like on her oh, bed yes. looking up. Look at that. Yes, she looks. She looks beautiful. But like, I love that. Like, you've got this big ass giant superhero wearing tidy whities and you see him on the ship, and he's like yawning, and he's got his little uniform laid out for the next day. With Come his on, boots. You, you gotta, he's so precious. He's he's re- he, he wants to go to work. He wants to save the day. He's invincible organic steel. Yeah. I, um. So yeah, I, I thought that. I mean, I thought it was a fitting ending. It wasn't a happy ending, but I thought it was. It was fitting of the story. Yeah, um, I thought it was appropriate. I do. Yeah. Well, it, it, that is weird that he would lay it out on the bed and still sleep in the bed. Right. That's it. It's yeah. like how big is that bed that you're you're giant and your feet aren't going to knock those clothes off the floor? Yeah, but I do like uh, the flex, the morning like, flex. <laughs> I'm turning steel. Yeah, mm. organic steel. Now, I, Storm, very comfortable in her nudity. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff with her. You know, she's an African goddess, so mm-hmm. she would walk around naked a lot of times. So. Sure, you know, I would I if I were her. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's still the best look. Oh, man. I always, you I'm like always, that one? I, man, that's just such a cool costume. I feel like that's a pretty popular uh, con choice. You Trevor, seen? you love the, the old old school Marvel yeah, yeah. girl? Ugh, yes. There's another record scheduled. Yes, so uh, so you know what we should do. Wrap it up right now. We got to wrap it up. Trevor's <laughs> going to stay at it. So uh, look at that. That, but you liked it. Yeah, I did All like right. it. I thought it was really fun. So folks, those are available in trade paperback collection. The Dark Phoenix Saga. It's also available on Comicsology. It's all, uh, yeah, and it's also on Marvel Unlimited too, which we read it on as well. Great. There you go. We did. So uh, very quickly, thank you so much, uh, Nerd School Network, for having us in here. Sorry, I ran late. This was a really great discussion. Um, we're here, Nerd School Network, every Wednesday. We've got new episodes coming out every Wednesday. That's if right. you want to get a hold of us, you can hashtag uh, Novice and Frank. You can find me at the com- at Comic Book Novice on Twitter and Instagram. Where can they find you, Frank? You can find me on Twitter at Happy Go Jackie. Yeah. Yes. Reach out to both of us and let us know what we should be reading. Thank you so much to our engineer, uh, Trevor. Check out Podcast of Two Worlds and all the other uh, beautifully, terrifically geeky Nerdist School Network podcasts. Any any sneak about what we're going to read next week? Any sneak. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, about Daredevil. Do you have any oh. interest in Daredevil? Well, yeah. Should we do a Born Again? What's yeah, Born Again? Born Again. I've Let's never see. read Daredevil. So. Oh, yeah. So that's on Marvel Unlimited. We'll read Born Again. I'll give Born you the again. issues afterwards. Yes. Fantastic. Or the Born Again storyline. Great. And I'll, it's in Daredevil okay. when you're looking <laughs> at the Marvel Thank Unlimited. you, Frank. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll play ourselves out. All right. Uh, I'm a cosmic entity ready to rule the world. And I'm dangerous. I'm going to rule the world, Frank. Say the name that you're thinking of. 
Phoenix. There it is. <laughs> That's who we read about today and all the other X-Men with the novice and, and Frank. Frank. 